You're listening to You Play A What, a podcast by a musician for musicians. My name is Vincent and I play the euphonium. Join me as I sit down with successful musicians to talk about their specialization, inspirations, and career developments. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to episode 47 of You Play A What?, I hope all of you are well. It's been a crazy couple of weeks with the tightening of safety measures once again, which is never a good thing for our line of work, both in the performing and teaching front, but I hope all of you are coping well. And on to this week's episode, I have had the pleasure to speak with violinist extraordinaire Lo Junhong. Junhong is the co-founder of Modern Music, the concert series that aims to revolutionize their classical music concert experience by bringing both the music and the performance to the audience in an informal and intimate manner. Modern Music Concerts presents the top young classical music talents in the region, bringing world-class chamber music performances to new audiences up close and personal. Jin Hong has a long, long list of accolades, which includes first prizes in international and local solo competitions. He has appeared as concert master at the Verbier Festival in Switzerland, allowing him to work with the likes of Charles Dutois and Valery Gergiev, and was featured as soloist with numerous orchestras around the world. At this very moment, you might be thinking, why is someone like him speaking to someone like me? I wonder too. But nonetheless, I had a fantastic time as usual speaking to my guest. We spoke about his recent involvement in the recording of the Utopia Symphony and what is his definition of utopia, his thoughts towards music competitions, his mentality and relationship towards music and performance as the years go by, his time as a military musician, deciding to have a portfolio career, going away from the traditional path, and challenges in starting a new performance project, and the question, is good, really good enough now? Alright, enough from me. Please enjoy this episode of You Play A What? with Jun Hong. today is a bit of a superstar. If I start listing down his awards and accolades, we could be here for quite a while. He has won numerous competitions, performed as concert master under some of the most renowned conductors, and of course, you know, you're onto something when you're featured in a series entitled Asian Wonder Kids. I'm speaking to him for the very first time and I'm excited for this chat. Welcome to the show, Jun Hong. How are you doing today? Hi, everyone. Good to be here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the show and chatting with a euphonium player. Uh, we... No, it's good. It's good. 
Uh, looking forward to learning more about you uh, personally and artistically as our conversation develops. Uh, so just a quick question for you before we get into the sure. swing of things. Were they focusing on your musical ability in the Asian Wonder Kid series or did you have other talents <laughs> that we don't know about? Um, so the Asian Wonder Kids thing was uh, done by Channel News Asia and I think I did it when I was 15. Right. Um, so I think that was when I first entered Yongsi Tail Conservatory. Okay. And so uh, they wanted to do a feature on on me. So they were doing like different features on, on not just musicians but like um, you know, sportsmen and other other uh, other kids and um, I was one of them that they chose. And yeah. So yeah, they featured you know what what was my life like, what my family was like, um, my daily schedule. Mm. and yeah other interests as well i see yeah. <laughs> okay yeah so not about like your talent in mathematics or something like that no <laughs> no 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 no. i'm not sure i have that <laughs> right right so n- nothing that we don't yeah. know about right yeah 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 cool so you know uh in a time where uh, i mean you as a musician obviously you are extremely well traveled uh, because of music and you, you've been to many parts of the world. And mm-hmm. so in this time where air travel is nearly impossible, uh, what better way for us to get into the conversation by you sharing with us some of your most memorable travel stories, both related to music and not? Mm. Um, for me, I think musically, the most enriching uh, travel experience is the one to Switzerland where I went for the Berbier Festival. Mm. So... The Verbier Festival is an incredible festival. Uh, it's one of those festivals where they convert uh, usually a town that's usually um, a winter town, you know, where people go to ski mm. and to have all of these um, like snow, snowy activities. So it's really, yeah. really small town. That's like maybe like um, five to ten thousand people, mm. um, and they 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 build a um, a really nice. Uh, temporary hall, right? So it's, it's like a, a temporary concert venue. Okay, you know, comes with like mechanical ventilation and everything, so it's huge. Um, and every summer, um, it's converted into this wondrous music festival where they invite like the best soloists and conductors down. And the Verbier Festival is it's it's interesting because um, the orchestra is centered around younger musicians. So all of mm. these famous uh, artists would play with this um, younger orchestra, and I was part of this um, younger orchestra. So um, they have a really a rigorous um, auditioning process. You have live auditions in, in so many different countries to get really the best of the best to come mm-hmm. into the festival. Yeah. And it's one of those um, rare festivals that you actually get paid Okay. Be part of of the festivals. You know, usually the the youth festivals, um, you either uh, have to pay to go to the festival, or yeah. they would um, they would give you a, a scholarship where you don't have to pay for um, attending the festival. For Verbier, it's the other way around. Mm. They actually pay for your flight. They give you a stipend. And you nice. see for being there. So naturally, the people who are there are quite different. Yeah, right? sounds and, like a good deal. <laughs> yeah, that's quite nice. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you know, uh, I, I, I um, played with like Martha Argerich, like uh, um, Charles Dutton, all these great, great, uh, great musicians. And it was 
such a wonderful experience. But I think what really was different was that aside from the highest level of music was that the people itself, the audience that attended are so different mm. and really kind of changed my mindset about what, how music should be enjoyed. Right? Yeah. Because um, I, I guess in the city, we, we usually just go to a concert, you know, from, right from, from work and our busy lives. And then just for that two hours, we are transported into this musical world where mm. we get to enjoy this great art. But in Verbier, the audiences, quite a big percentage of them are regulars. That means every single summer, mm. they go back to Verbier again. And you have people coming back for 10, 15 years every single year, right? Of course, you know, partly it's because of the quality of the music and the programming, but honestly, it's the people around you, the environment, you know, the mountains, the beautiful scenery, and simply, you know, seeing these artists walking around the same streets that you are and going to the same supermarket because there's only one <laughs> and just, yeah. you know, being part of this community. And I think that that was what I... I, I really enjoyed and experienced there. Mm, yeah, sounds absolutely amazing. Yeah, it sounds really good. Yeah, yeah I, I guess, you know, when you are playing for an audience that are also geeks of uh, classical music in their own way, not mm. as a as a pra practitioner or performer, but maybe they listen to lots of recordings. Uh, they know orchestras, they know famous recordings of a particular symphony. And all of a sudden, th that dynamic of uh, the performance becomes very different, isn't it? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. yes. Uh, so uh, what about some of uh, your, your travel stories that's unrelated to music? Any mm. particular favorite cities that you've visited that comes to your <laughs> mind? Uh, Non-music related, I, I guess my, uh, my favorite uh place is still japan like mm. i don't know maybe 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 because I, I i love to eat but japan's <laughs> so, am so amazing you know right. uh, me me and my wife like every time we think we're like oh where should we go and then somehow it just gravitates back towards japan again yeah um you know the the culture and um yeah the, the people there are 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 so um I think they t they take their their work very um, you know with a lot of pride mm. yeah. uh, and and you know it comes through in, in in the stuff that they do and and the interactions and and um, we we yeah we 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 love it there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was supposed to go to Japan last year mm. in June, and then I see, I see. Uh, yeah. Things happen like COVID, and then everything yeah, got cancelled. Yeah, which is a bit unfortunate. But I'm looking forward to my my first visit there. I've never been, so I oh really? Good, yeah, heard good things, obviously, uh, from amazing. many people. Yeah, yeah, it's but um, yeah, looking forward to that. In your career, obviously, uh, you've been involved in a couple of uh, music and violin competitions. So I'd like to mm -hmm. just talk briefly about your relationship with music competitions. Uh, yeah. But before I get there, I just uh, how I feel about music competition is that. I, I know there are people who are quite against it. There are people who are for it. I personally don't mind music competition right. uh, as long as it allows people to do their best work and push them to and motivate them to uh, get to a new level or a higher level. I'm all for that. Uh, what is your relationship with these competitions and right. do you find extra motivation when you're preparing for them? Right, right. I, I fully agree with you. Um, you know, competitions, I, I think at the heart of it is 
a goal. So when you when you sign up for a competition, when you register for it, you know, you, you do your auditions, you start doing your video recording, you have all these dates, right? So let's say the competition is in November. Okay, so um, at least two months before that, you need to be ready with all the repertoire. Then you can start working with your, your pianist and your, your, your partners, right? Mm. And then um, three months before that, you need to start rep- uh, preparing the rep properly. And then another three months before that, you have to do the the video work for the the recording. Yeah, because you have the pre screening round mm. and all of that. I think these little guidelines, these little posts, mm. right, in the yeah. calendar helps you have something to work towards. So while the competition itself, you know, being in there like in the stress and all all of these stuff have have its own dynamics, but I think simply having the goals for 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 yourself. Right, already pushes you to to work and improve in a way that you wouldn't have. Um, you know, I think it's just completely different from a concert because yeah. I think um, for for concerts, of course, you know, we prepare very very seriously mm. and, and try to try to attain like um, a really really high level. But I think at 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 the um, at a at a very basic level, uh, the all of the audience mm-hmm. um, wants you to do well, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they 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 are um, they have on a good the time, same right? side exactly. Yeah. They're here to enjoy the music. Yeah. They 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 want you to perform well. They um, so in, in a kind of way uh, for performances, the stress is only on yourself. Like yeah. it's yourself. Feeling trying like, to oh, be the best, gonna, yeah, yeah, like mm. fighting against your own expectations. Yeah, I think for competitions, why people get super stressed out is because aside from that, mm. there's also this element of oh, I need to um, prove myself compared to other players. Yeah, right. Or 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 my country against another country, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, something like that. Mm. Yeah, and then of course there's um, the whole part about oh there's a jury and the jury yes. is not as um forgiving as yeah. an audience right they mm-hmm. would start nitpicking on all the small details so in the preparation work i think it pushes you in a in a different way mm. like um i think to be fully prepared in a competition you need to be able to let's say be ready to perform at close to your best like immediately after getting out of bed Right, that kind of level of, of yeah. preparation, or yeah. you know, when 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 um um you know, to see whether you're still be able to play well even when you're not feeling like super comfortable, or maybe the room mm. is too cold, right? Right, or you have maybe maybe you have this system where if you make a mistake and you record it, so you play it back, and then you make a mistake, or oh, you have to practice like that same part another twenty times, yeah, yeah, yeah. mistake, you know, that <laughs> exactly that kind of yeah. that kind of pressure, you know, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, it yeah. just puts you in a different zone. Mm. Um, so onto the competition itself, I think, yeah, I think competition is actually, uh, for me, a healthy thing. Mm. Um, if not just because of the preparation process, but actually in terms of the competition itself. Because when you see other players, um, other colleagues, right, uh, from around mm. the world um, doing the similar repertoire, similar preparation process as you, and the different levels that they can achieve, um, it seems more real than comparing yourself to a recording. Mm. So 
you know, when we when we learn music, uh, we always like take reference from a famous recording, right? A yeah. favorite recording that you see. Yeah. And then, of course, we can hear like the difference in you know the sound quality or the artistry and stuff like that yeah. with a famous player. But um, logically, we think that oh, you know, we should try to reach that, mm. but. I think there's always this mental barrier thing that oh this person is famous so like I it must be the way <laughs> isn't it yeah, yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah. It must be the, and and like oh I'll never be able to reach that level kind of thing mm. right but then when you join a competition and then this this other person is like in front of you and playing like amazingly well and is better than you I think it gives you a kind of a, a different um, motivation and drive mm. to be like hey. Yeah. The other person can do it. Like I can do it too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. So it opens up the possibilities, isn't it? Yeah. Exactly. You don't limit your your own potential in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. As you go th- to these different competitions, do you start to see like the same couple of people in this competition circuit? At least mm. for for euphonium competitions, it's a little bit like that. Then again, our population is way smaller than yeah. violin. Yeah. So. Uh, how is it? Have you made friends through these competitions? Yeah, so definitely, uh, even in the violin world, there is people um, you know you see and you've met before, and they come back for the next competition. Um, mm, yeah, I have definitely made a couple of friends um, during these competitions, uh, but then again, these a lot of times these competitions are. They're, they're, they're really efficient, right? So mm. like your first round is like two days and then immediately you go to the second round and third round. So I, I guess what, what I'm trying to say is that usually if you go through all of the different rounds, mm. um, you will be worrying about the next round more than you're <laughs> worried about making your friends. But yeah, right. we, have, we have meals together and, and yeah. you know, we hang out a little bit. And usually after the competition's over, then, then you, you go, for, go for some some drinks and some yeah. nice meals together. Mm. But yeah, I think um, I've, I've become acquainted with some of them. Right. Yeah, like at the next competition, you'll be like, oh, hey, yeah, mm. good to see you again. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Kind of thing. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, uh, recently I've came across this idea that there is um, basically two different mindsets. And in order for us to not suffer burnout in our career, we need to balance these two particular things. Uh, One of it is the athlete mentality. One of it is the nerd mentality. So uh, the nerd mentality is uh, a lot of uh, people like us musicians who do not measure success based on binary terms. So for example, we don't judge the success of a performance based on how many people came through or paid for a ticket. Part of it is that but it's right. not all on that, isn't it? And then right. the athlete mindset is basically everything is binary, win or lose. And right. you basically want to do everything to succeed. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, 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 so right. um, with, with that, uh, do you have any uh, hobby that you take quite seriously that, that is not related to music? Hmm. I, I wouldn't say I take any hobby too seriously <laughs> yeah. um, because I would just do, um, I enjoy playing board games with my friends a lot and okay. other other card games and stuff like that. I, yeah. I think it's more like a pastime rather okay. than uh, a hobby. Right. Um, yeah, I, I used to play a little bit of badminton, uh, mm-hmm. swim a little bit. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing, nothing too serious. Okay. Just pastimes. Yeah. So yeah. with that, interesting that you mentioned board games. When, how do you approach these games? Do you have like, uh, okay, you know, this is gotta win. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, no, like, no, no. Or, or is it just like, you know, are you more concerned about the the way you play the game rather than if you need to win the game? Mm. So I also play quite a bit of um, poker, right? Mm. So maybe, maybe not that much, like uh, maybe once or, or twice a month. Yeah. Um, it's funny how you said like you're uh, concerned about how you play the game because um, in poker, right, uh, there is um, better play and worse plays, right, bad plays. Hmm. And sometimes even when you make the, the best plays, you still lose, right, because yeah. of the luck of the draw. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is that for me, um, as long as I made the, if I thought I made the right move, like it doesn't matter whether I lose or not. Yeah, I'm more interested in, in making sure I did the best that I could. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, don't don't go uh, overconfident on Queen Ten, right? That is that. Your move? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So uh, let's now talk about your musical journey and your career developments. So mm. bring us back to how you got acquainted with music and how things grew to uh, what it is for you. Right. So I started off, um, I think when I was seven, right? I, I did try a couple of violin lessons when I was younger, I think like four or five, but I think I, I didn't really, you know, stick to it. And my mom mm. was like, oh, I'm not going to force him, right? Yeah. Uh, my sister actually started um, playing the piano. So my mom wanted, my family, I guess, wanted the two children to have some kind of musical education, right? Mm. Like like, like many Singaporean families, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Until and it so, gets too serious, then they're like, mm, maybe, maybe you're going a little bit too far now. Maybe it's time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So... So my, my sister played piano, so my mom's like, oh, you know, why don't you try violin, right? You have like mm -hmm. a, the contrasting instruments. So I, I started on the violin when I was seven. And um, I was pretty good, right? I was pretty good when I, when I first started. So, so the progress was really fast. And um, my, my teacher told my parents like, oh, you know, this guy, he's, he's, he's pretty good. You might want to consider like, like going to like some uh, more intensive um, you know, intense program. So yeah. we actually auditioned for the, um, the NAFA School of Young Talents. I believe uh, a lot of pianists, especially, went through those those yeah. doors. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the SYT program was really good. I was one of the pioneer pioneer batch for violin. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I, I I went in and then um, in there. Uh, yeah, I won a few of the prizes at the national violin Comp uh, national piano and violin competition. That was nice. Mm -hmm. And then I guess because I was also one of the best in in SYT, the NAFA actually gave me a lot of opportunities. You know, okay. like uh, let's say um, not just performing concerts, but but like for different master classes for different artists that came in mm. uh, and like even oh let's say istana performances or like event performances so i was featured quite a lot so i got quite a lot of exposure that way right that was quite nice and then um 
after after a while i i switched to when when the conservatory nyonsi tell started i switched to the i switched teachers to tianzhou who was the head of strings then and then um after a few years after two years um i did the nus auditions to to for the bachelor of music program mm. at the same time i i also auditioned for for um uh, the yehudi menu in school okay right? and so i also got accepted there in mm-hmm. in in sari and uk and i think during that time they were deciding whether or not to accept like a you know this young young guy <laughs> into right, the conservatory right. yeah because back then um there was none no one was was um able to enter without like a levels right okay uh so for my case it was the first i was the first of the the younger musicians to enter mm. so they i think the the acceptance into foreign institutions made them feel like hey you know we already have like a good conservatory here like and if we don't accept them here they're going to go abroad and so why don't we actually like keep them here with with the resources that we have and so they decided to make an exception and so once once they allowed me to enter um then the following year oh you know Abigail and all these other people had uh had, didn't didn't have any more of this like like rule thing that yeah, they had yeah. to overcome right you opened the doors yeah, yeah. basically yeah <laughs> yeah. Anyway. yeah so after that you know there's some competitions won some um but it was like the real conservatory life because back then it was before that it was you know juggling academics and and music mm. um i think it was a, a real switch for me um the you know not having like any academics i mean and really marginal homework right for your yeah. theory and history classes like yeah. really 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 little mm. um it was it was such a switch and actually having more time to dedicate on the instrument and ha- needing the discipline to actually use that time to practice is yeah. also a little, a little bit challenging but yeah it was, it was, it was quite nice um, the four years there um concentrating on violin and then after that uh i entered the army military service that was also an interesting experience um of course when i first entered i was like oh no i'm going to lose touch with my instrument yeah your chops and, are like, going to be gone and things yeah, like that. yeah yeah <laughs> everything so i did um basic military training um but i was actually really lucky um i managed to get into the music and drama company nice so i know a lot of like my other um musician colleagues say they didn't they weren't so lucky mm. um so I, i managed to get there after the first 3 4 months and then uh after that we were playing shows and events for for um the different functions uh, generals and, and functions yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right mm. um i must say that even though it's very fortunate uh that i went there it also was um one of the most uh I don't know how what adjective that is but it basically made me very jaded in okay. in music right. because we were a string quartet like a string um uh, string quartet with piano mm. and we were the most popular 
um, group to invite right okay. out of MDC because right. I guess when you invite a string quartet, there's a semblance of class status, or, yeah, you know, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that, right? right. So yeah. whenever like the Malaysian chief of army comes over to play golf, like oh the yeah. navy comes over, like Taiwan comes over, there's so many yeah. people that comes over, right? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it has to be playing, a string quartet, right? Yeah, it has to be because a string quartet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, you can't get the vocal ensemble to do something, right? <laughs> so. We are. We were playing like three times a week, right? That's like every other day, essentially. Yeah. And we were not playing our the repertoire that we were trained to play, mm. right? And every one of the members were really good, right? Okay. Because um, there's only five people, so yeah. we had like Shu Xiang, mm. you know, we had like Clarence Lee on the piano, but like everyone was really yeah. good. So, so. We're all really good classical musicians, but we were, we were playing like, um, pop. Oh. yeah, like yeah. like pop stuff, and yeah. not even like good arrangements. I, I don't, yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't mind pop, but like yeah. we were playing really basic arrangements, you know, like mm. nothing, nothing like um, like that felt like it's a true. Um, um, representation of an art form. I wouldn't mind right. if it's like you know we're doing some like great jazz or like mm. you know some great pop song. But yeah. man, the the, the arrangements were were really basic. You know, like basic yeah. harmonies and basic melodies. Mm. And a little bit of elevator music in a way, right? It's, yeah, it's suited yeah, yeah, for, yeah, yeah. for for background and yeah, exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm. Uh, and and that and we'd even have the right instrumentations for it. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> so so. Um, we were just playing this and, and, you know, after about a hundred performances in, you start to really, it starts to, to kind of eat into you, right? You yeah. Yeah. Into your soul a little bit. Yeah. And you know, the comments that we would get, it's like, you know, sometimes they were appreciated, which was nice, but yeah. many of the times we're like, Oh, you know, can you play a little bit softer? <laughs> right. Because, you know, we are having like some, some conversation here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, it kind of drains you. Right. And exactly. um, actually I thought, that was the starting point for a, the the change in mindset that I um, began to have. So before mm. it was, oh, you know, gotta gotta reach a higher level, you know, reach the um, the peak of performance, right? Trying to attain mm. the highest perfection. Yeah. But then I, I I began to realize that hey, you know, actually the way things are presented can also change and and it can be worked on. Right. Mm. And so that's why I started um, concentrating more on, on audience um, engagement and um, finding more ways to, to present better music so that they, the audiences can appreciate it better. Right? Yeah. yeah. And so I, after that, I went to Juilliard for, for a little bit. Um, mm. I was really fortunate to have different teachers there. I was under Rosenberg who had like a whole ped pedagogical line. I was under uh, Glenn Dictoro, a concert master of New York Phil and um, Joseph Lin, who was first violin of Juilliard Quartet. So it was like really nice um, blend of things. Yeah. And after that, I went to Verbier, right? Uh, with the whole like um, atmosphere, uh, audience thing. Yeah. So I came back, I started more than music with Abigail. Mm. Yeah. Right? And that, that's more focused on, of course, still presenting world-class music, but with a focus on audience engagement and interaction. Yeah. So we had like really popular stuff 
like our wine and music um, concerts mm -hmm. we hold it at Arts House and you come into the the hall and yeah. you 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 you're greeted with a glass of wine and the white wines will be paired with some uh, French um, you know more impressionist works right and then maybe the the and then you'll have a top-up of red wines will have will have um, paired with more romantic robust mm. like works yeah. something like that and then and then after that yeah. uh we would have like a um uh what do you call a sort of a free flow reception where where you know you can get some more wine if you want it's a free mm. flow and then the artists uh, themselves like us we would also drink with you and then <laughs> of <laughs> and course then, yeah and then <laughs> yeah. after every every few minutes we will play an encore oh yeah so the people who would want to listen they will like just you know do a little semicircle around us but the, the other people would still be uh behind their mingling so i, I think that's our yeah one of our most did it get a bit types. more uh uh, improvised as the night goes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets gets better and better. Yeah, and then sometimes you know some of our musician friends would, would come for the concert, and then we will yeah. uh, they would play as well. Yeah, so it's quite right. quite nice. Okay, yeah, so it's, it's like a good. mini sort of jam session as well, right? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's very enjoyable. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so just a couple of questions regarding uh, what you've shared uh, mm. regarding your career, right? So when you switch from this full-time uh, school student mm. and also doing violin playing on the side to full-time music education. Right. Uh, obviously, there, is a, there has to be a change in the mentality and approach. Right, right, right. Uh, did that relationship with music change a little bit? Did you sort of like doubt the, the amount of uh, love you have for, for music because now you're doing it for so much of the day and not as like part of this escape from your academic work? Right. So, what was there a change in a relationship there for you? Mm. Um, so, if you're talking about uh, in my earlier years to when I went to conservatory, um, I, I must say that the the amount of time you spend practicing kind of puts a toll. Yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, mm, I I think it becomes more like something that you want to be like you know really do well in mm. and the love for it comes out sporadically so i think it's not like oh every time i'm practicing i'm like oh my gosh i love this so much <laughs> right it's yeah. more like let's say after a month of working and then you play like let's say with with the pianist or with with your group and then you you're experiencing you know the fruits of your labor and it's during those moments those sporadic moments you're like yes like this mm. is what i worked hard for right right i think i think that's that's the experience that i that, that, that i that i had mm. right um because when you when you when you practice if you're enjoying it like i don't think you're doing good practice <laughs> mm. wow that's that's an interesting way to to, to put it yeah and yeah it, yeah because very true right yeah because when like even when i when i was um uh, I remember like a couple of years back, we were doing a concert with with Paysian, right, the cellist here, yeah. and um, we were we were having lunch and we were talking about how um, it's interesting that the the really good, really really amazing musicians actually dislikes their own playing. 
So like like this famous story is like Yahudi Menuhin, right? Um, after a concert and all the audience like comes back backstage and tells him oh, how, what how amazing the concert was and he was just like oh no you know this like I didn't do well here this part I should have done better and mm. it's interesting because I think to be great uh, or to reach like a higher level of perfection you need to be critical right, yeah of definitely. yourself and yeah. if you like what you're doing. Um, a lot of times you can't you can't uh, reach a high level. Yeah. Right? And so for me, I um I enjoy those moments like when I've you know during the performance or like like during the dress rehearsal when you finally like, done all your work and you finally get to it's more about enjoying and and, and performing well. Yeah, that's mm. that's for me. Yeah, and I guess yeah. suppose I suppose with the arts, it's always at the end when we share something with. Mm. the world in a performance or, or anywhere, there is always going to be this certain level of potential still left in the performance, right? That's right. interesting yes, about yes, the arts. Yes. Uh, I think yeah. it, in all fields, uh, in all disciplines of the arts, it's the same, isn't it? When you, mm. they put up uh, an art piece in a gallery, when they look at it, there's always, ah, you know, I could have like done this better, or I could have of done course, that thing course. better. Yeah. Yes, so yes, that's yes. The, the, the interesting part about the, the work that we do. Yeah, uh, yes. you don't. You are such a, a seasoned and experienced performer. Like you said, you've been performing since uh, a very young age. Mm. Did that mentality uh, that you have towards performance change uh, as you grew older? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose so, yeah, so- when you're younger, things were a lot simpler, and you just turn yeah. up and then you play, right? And then yeah. h- how did that side of things develop? Mm, yeah, so I think definitely when you're younger, you don't think so much, right? You go up and you play, uh, and then after, I think when you're you're a teenager, you start to have like you know doubts and like expectations, and you get yeah. more nervous. And then for me, when I got older, um, more 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 when I um, started, you know, actually making a living from music, <laughs> the mindset changed a little bit from oh, you know. Um, expectation of doing doing well to mm. um actually like i said earlier everyone's on the on your side and it's mm. just about you sh- sharing and enjoying music together with audiences so yeah. that kind of helps me uh, reduce the amount of nervousness or, or or um you know jitters that i feel because there is really no reason for you to be nervous except for yourself, right? Mm. You're, you're just, if you're nervous, it means that you're trying to battle your own expectation. Yeah. Um, and I in, think in many occasions, unrealistic expectation that we expect exactly. us to do to this, uh, to play and perform at, exactly. Yeah, exactly. at perfection, basically. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, I think another thing that changed for me was, what's interesting is when um, you transition from, let's say, a student where you're still thinking of um, concerts and stuff as opportunities mm. to um, like a professional career where the concerts and stuff, I mean, they are opportunities, but actually they are your income also. Yeah, it's work, right? isn't it? Yeah, 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 it's work. I think that's an interesting um, transition. Mm. Um I would say that definitely some performances feel more like work than others. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. yeah, but it's it's nice. I think I think it gives it gives an um it gives you 
contrast like mm-hmm. because when you i think i think humans are very adaptable um very adaptable creatures yeah right um i mean i i i, I don't know whether you watched the movie right soul last year the, the, uh, yes. the yeah so i remember when when the the main character finally got his big break and he did this amazing show mm-hmm. and then he walked out of the 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 club and and he's like oh what's next and then the other artist was like you come back here again tomorrow and you do the same thing again <laughs> yeah right yeah and exactly i think i think that that really kind of hit home for me but mm-hmm. but essentially I think I like the contrast between the concerts that you do well and you enjoy and the concerts mm-hmm. that, you know, you just go and perform and you just, you know, you just yeah. play. Because exactly. if every concert is amazing, right, then it won't be amazing anymore. Yeah. Everything's right. the same, then there's no contrast. That means yeah, everything's yeah, yeah. equally good or equally bad, yeah. right? Just, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think I'm, I'm very fortunate because um, for me, I get to play in different combinations all the time mm-hmm. i think for um quite a few um of our colleagues they would let's say if they're an orchestra musician they would be playing orchestra um, music um for every concert which yeah. which is nice which is great yeah it can be really really amazing mm-hmm. but then again there's no contrast right yeah i think what i i really enjoy is playing um you know orchestra sometimes and then, oh, this month it will be chamber music. Oh, yeah. next month it will be, oh, we'll do a little solo project, mm. right? So um, from month to month, it will feel a little bit different. And that yeah. actually makes me feel, um, yeah, excited. Yeah, it gives you the energy <laughs> to move forward. Exactly. Yeah, I, like, I also like working with different people too. And that's, that's really nice. Yeah, because um, I'm really fortunate in my series. We're able to invite different people all the time, mm. and different combinations. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And occasionally, Good. you take some time out, speak to someone on a podcast, and things like that. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. Right, right, right. Great stuff. Right. And now let's talk about one of the the projects that you embarked on uh, pre-COVID, mm. which is yes. uh, the Utopia Symphony and the recording project you did with the the LPO. Uh, of course, this Utopia Symphony was renamed uh, mm. since its first commission. And it's basically this um, foreigner's perception of what Singapore is and the growth yeah. and the development of Singapore. And yeah, so it's not uh, authentic per se in, in a sense that it is uh, literally sights and sounds of Singapore, but it's just an idea. Right. right. Uh, I, I don't know if you agree with me on this, but right, that's right, what right. I, I kind of gathered from from the piece. So, right. uh, what is it like to participate in a in this recording project with a piece that's inspired by the country? And mm. were there any parts of the music that made you think that, yeah, actually, this really kind of uh, made sense? Yeah, um, I think. I mean, it's such an incredible experience, right? Because I, I think. Um, talking about contrast, right? We we're just saying most of the time we are playing. Um, I, I am playing works that are old, right? Mm. Like that's you know we have hundreds of interpretations of it, yeah. and you're trying to find your place. Mm. But this one is completely different, right? Even though um, the Utopia Symphony or last time Singapore, right? Yeah. Uh, the Singapore Symphony has been um, performed before. Um, it's a new work and it's about finding 
um, meaning and interpretation in your own interpretation of that. Yeah. And I think for me, this one had um, a more philosophical meaning than the, most other like music that that I play. Mm. And so it was a new experience, you know. So um, I actually tackled the piece um, how I would have. Um, any other piece originally so you know I got the score I, I looked at it I learned my part listened to the orchestra part looked at the orchestra part see how the, how it melts together look at the harmony and see how you know how to make it work musically right mm. but what was interesting is that when um, when I went to to London right and met Martinoff right the, the, the composer and then we started talking and then and then he told me more about like the the his inspirations his thought on his thoughts on singapore and you know um the little things that that he saw that made him feel that that singapore was utopia right mm-hmm. and and it kind of changed my idea like my, my interpretation of the work too and so okay. it, it changed from a musical interpretation to sort of like um more more like humanizing the work you know you 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 appreciate it more Mm. um thoroughly i'd say yeah and my part uh i think especially if you if you listen to the symphony um the 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 start has a really really strong and 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 prolonged vocal part Mm -hmm. right yeah so when when the when the uh for me What's what I really like is is the ending when we finally feel like we have reached this utopia and that's where my my um, second solo comes in. Mm. Like you really feel like um, you know you've reached after all of this this work and discussion and like like uh, um, talk. You know we finally come to. An agreement like this harmony at the at the end and um yeah it becomes even more meaningful right? Mm. Part. right and i think another big part of the project that i was involved in that was interesting was um recording in the abbey studios mm-hmm. um that was cool right i ha- i have recorded um movie a movie soundtrack before i did ricky ho's seven letters that was like a slew of movies that came out during the sg50 mm-hmm. um but this is my first time uh recording in such a famous studio and it was cool walking down the hall seeing yeah. like all of these different uh you know lord of the ring star wars movies being recorded there mm. and working with an incredible choir the, the choir was amazing um Man, like usually choirs are out of tune, but this one was in yeah. tune, <laughs> and they have such power and diction, right? The pronunciation yeah. was, was really, it really hits home. Mm-hmm. And the orchestra, of course, is incredible, right? Um, yeah. Um, you know, any idea that that the conductor was sharing, you know, the composer was sharing, the orchestra gets it immediately, and yeah, mm. it's really, really, really good. Yeah. And were you there throughout the entire process, or were you coming in for like? periods of the, the recording um, so and the-, the recording was held over two days mm-hmm. right and um i was there on the day before yeah and i flew off the day after so oh yeah it's just it was short and sweet but 
um, yeah, I thought it was, it was good. Yeah, nice. I was there throughout. Yeah. yeah. And of course, this uh, Utopia Symphony is one of these new initiatives uh, by the Foundation of Arts and Social Enterprises, which uh, fits really nicely with their new campaign, which is the One Million Towards uh, Utopia Movement. Maybe you can share with us a little bit about your idea of utopia. And definitely, I, I think when you're preparing for this project where it was pre-COVID and now uh, we are in the midst or coming off COVID, I'm not sure we're coming off it. Yeah, uh, Has your, your, your sense of a utopia changed? Mm. Interesting that we were talking about like utopia and, and, and COVID. And if you're looking at the the lyrics of um, the, the the text from from the Utopia Symphony, you know it says like, it is better for a kingdom to be small and its people few, right? Let mm. um, like uh, do not uh, let people be respectful towards death and not leave their homes. <laughs> let there be boats <laughs> and carriages and let no one travel on them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's quite interesting, yeah. I mean, like you said, like utopia is is is, is an idea, mm. and um, I think I think if the idea of home, which is probably what the, the text is talking about, like mm. the idea of home, has that sense of utopia, right? Mm. Um, not home as in just like oh where you're from, but like the home where your family, your community, is like the bonds that you share. And the culture and the ties uh, that that you have, I think that in itself is a form of utopia. And then in 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 that way, um, strengthening and finding ways where you can, you know, build stronger bonds between like um, your people, right, and mm -hmm. finding more common. Um, activities you know whether it's like music or, or or other stuff that you can do together um, i think that would be would be a form of utopia because mm. if you can expand your your family because you know we our, our families are already you know such amazing pillars of support for us in our lives right and if if we can regard our um countrymen right as mm. our extended family as well then what a utopia that would be <laughs> yeah <laughs> right yeah. right yeah. yeah and i think this term utopia or, or the idea of utopia it's it's easier for us to to or us i mean by like people in the creative industry or artists to to think about these ideas because this is what we do, isn't it? We, yeah, we, mm. we think about concepts, we think about ideas, and then mm. uh, if it's good enough and it sticks long enough, we put it right, into action. Right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I guess there are people who are not perhaps used to thinking like this, you yeah, know, right, thinking right. about this sort of like broader idea of what is utopia to them. And yeah, I think it's easy for us to, to run in that uh in, in go, get into a rat race about you know mm. uh financial stability uh, material yeah. things and things like that and when we take a step right. back and to think about what truly matters exactly. you know, yeah i think that exactly. yeah it deserves uh 
some form of like conversation. That that, that is so, so true. Like, yeah. um, like you you were talking about the red race, and I think oftentimes like we we get so like caught up right in in mm. doing all these things, and it's only when you later on that you look back and you realize, hey, you know what what did I actually do right yeah. this past year right, mm. and what's interesting is that you would remember those small few memories and yeah. and why and why don't we just do more of those exactly right why, yeah. if, if those are what you remember mm. then shouldn't we shouldn't that be more central in our lives mm-hmm. right yeah yeah, yeah. definitely uh, i'd like to talk a little bit about how you've uh, crafted your career over mm. the last couple of years and uh, sure. I guess us as uh, music students or music graduates is that we want to, uh, it, I guess not only with us, but most industries, people will try to blend in, right? So if you studied a particular field or you're expert in a particular field, you just want to end up doing that thing. Because if mm. you don't do that, then you have to explain to people why are you not doing this, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and it becomes a little bit uh, frustrating sometimes because... Um, People don't want to answer this uh, sometimes very uh, difficult uh, questions, mm-hmm. right? About why they've made this switch. And uh, the number one thing that is being put across to us is that perhaps we could, uh, for you, to have a career as a full-time orchestra musician. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I believe you're well capable of getting a job in an orchestra. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, but you're not doing that. You're doing uh, other things that perhaps right. uh, you feel more strongly about. Uh, yeah. Did that thought of like joining an orchestra full time ever come across your mind? Yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, uh, back then, I mean, I was in Juilliard, and then uh, for four or maybe five years, I can't remember. I was going to Verbier and 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 playing with all all of my colleagues, right? And um, just so you know. So when you participate in Verbier, after a few years, there is the um, Verbier Chamber Orchestra, where it's made up of all of the concert masters of the Verbier Festival Orchestra. Right. Okay. So after that, after a few years, yeah. I went into the Chamber Orchestra. So it's like a like a subset of the, uh, uh, the festival orchestra. Team. <laughs> yeah, the whole famous of Verbier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So so especially when I was in there, right, everyone around me was already having like great orchestra jobs mm. so during summer all of the the these people would get summer break from their real jobs and then yeah. they would go to <laughs> to, to play again together yeah. and there's definitely a lot of peer pressure right mm. and i guess financial pressure too because especially in the states um the orchestra jobs pay pretty well they pay they pay really yeah. well right mm. If you get into the top five orchestra, um, uh, the starting, yeah, yeah, man, the starting pay is like I don't know, maybe it's like one hundred twenty thousand per year, one hundred thirty thousand per year. Okay, I think after COVID last year, they 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 collectively agreed to take a twenty percent cut, okay. right? <laughs> because the orchestras are suffering. But right. you know, even with a twenty percent cut, it's, it's pretty good money. You know? it's, uh, yeah, hundred thousand, yeah. hundred thousand a year, mm. and um. The hours that you're gonna work per week is like what twenty two hours a week, 
Yeah. Right. That's and pretty you good. Get yeah. Summers off, like mm-hmm. two months vacation off. Yeah. And paid, right? And, and yeah, you still get yeah, paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You still get paid. Yeah. yeah. And then um, you know, your your healthcare, insurance, everything's mm-hmm. all covered. And you yeah. get pension, right? You get pension after two years. Mm-hmm. No, 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 not pension, what I'm talking about. Uh no 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 uh what do you call that? Uh where where they can't fire you. Um tenure. Tenure, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah you get tenure. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So it's an incredible job, and 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 like a lot of my friends were going for it, and they're getting it. Um, and I, I felt like, oh, what am I doing, right? I I could, I could just be like preparing for auditions and doing that whole route. Mm. And you know, after one two years of auditioning, man, I'm, I'm sure I'll get I'll get something something yeah. good. Yeah, um, that was definitely a lot of the, that that pressure um, financially as well, mm. especially when you compare it to your other friends in other industries, non-music, and they're earning <laughs> a good a good wage. And you're like, oh, yeah, shoot, yeah. I need to earn that too. Like, or- orchestra <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. is a good option. For sure. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Completely. Uh, and I think for me, the the main thing that, that kind of stopped me from going that route was that um, I think the, the contrast thing that I was talking about earlier, for me, um, having the luxury to be doing different things appealed to me a lot. Mm. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to play in a good orchestra, which I would definitely appreciate for sure. But after like, you know, months, years, Mm. decades, like, um, I'm sure that the, the novelty of playing with, I think for me, would wear off yeah yeah i i maybe i don't love orchestra music enough Mm. (laughs) or maybe i'm spoiled that i need like the contrast but i i really valued having a sort of portfolio career right Mm. where where um some months i could be working on different projects some months i could be focusing on teaching more Mm. sometimes i go do some festivals and stuff like that yeah that was important for me um financially of course that was way that is way more <laughs> unstable, right? Mm. Um, but I, I guess, uh, I think we all have to juggle what we think is worthwhile. Yeah, what we what we believe in, what we enjoy doing. And mm. for me, I I found a nice uh, balance between finding stability in some forms of teaching. Yeah. So I do um, some private teaching. I do some lecturing in in YST as well, and sometimes NAFA as well. Performance-wise, I do like yeah, solo chamber, uh, sometimes events and uh, orchestra. Mm. That for me is fulfilling. Yeah. yeah, and actually, this also puts me in a spot where I am looking and thinking of new projects so if i was comfortable i probably would just be playing an orchestra oh yeah for doing sure. the next concert right but yeah. then because of 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 this portfolio thing this year let's say in in the covid year we did the full beethoven sonatas and we 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 recorded them and we 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 streamed them and that was an incredible experience mm. i wouldn't have done that otherwise right? yeah and then mm. i we just released this um really interesting Gestanfkund work where we right. combine like like a narration uh mm-hmm. text from murakami uh short story on mm-hmm. seeing a 100 perfect girl new new commission and animation and video video work right so 
it's really such an incredible experience. Um, instead of interpreting music, we were actively recomposing mm. uh, stuff. So like the composer would have, like our commission composer would already have skeletal of the score. But as we were playing, I was also reading out the text and we were playing it back, trying to match the text with the words. And, and we were like, oh, going back to the composer, hey, this this one doesn't work. We need to get a little more semblance of hope here or, mm. or despair here. And yeah. that was really an incredible experience. And I'm glad that, you know, I chose this route. And mm. yeah, there's always something new and fresh to look forward to. It's yeah. Nice. Yeah. And, and I guess mm. that sometimes we ask ourselves this question, can we see ourselves doing this same thing for the next 10, 15, 20 years, uh, mm. chances are we are going to say no if it's only just one thing, you know? <laughs> yeah, if it's oh, just... Oh, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Because I've been yeah. accustomed to a certain standard of living, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. so uh, like like I said, your your portfolio is amazing. There's, uh, there's work that you do, in teaching, there's a work you do in uh, large ensemble or chamber playing. There's work that you do soloist uh, as a soloist, and you have your own series concert series. Well, yeah. yeah. So, can you share with me some of the challenges that you face getting these projects off the ground? Because that's usually the most difficult part. Mm, Coming up yeah. with the idea, I think it's not the most difficult part. But mm. when you put the ideas into action, then you see a lot of things yes, uh, yes, start yes. to, you know, go, go astray. Yeah. What are some of the challenges you, that you have faced? Um, I think for, for any group or any, any, any organization, um, I think one of the most um, critical things, biggest difficulties is in finding audience, mm. right? Finding audiences for your work. Um, I think that was like a NEC report I was I was attending one of these um, invites, right? They would they would call mm. like people in the industry, and then they would like sit together with like SSO, like SEO, and all these people, and they were sharing with us that um, the problems of the old, where there weren't enough events, is long gone, and now mm. there is a whole proliferation of arts events where it's like something like 30, 30 events per day, right? Mm. And <laughs> It is crowded, right? Yeah. And while the number of productions are increasing, the audience are also increasing, right? Mm. But they're not increasing at the same pace. Yeah, it's and spread so, out really, really yeah, thin. Yeah, so actually things. the audiences are not increasing fast enough compared to the production size. Mm. So um, there's a lot of focus on audience uh, development and, and gathering more of these um audiences for all these events and I think anyone starting out would always have this trouble of, of finding their own audience mm. um, I think we also had uh, difficulties um, when we first started out uh, we did just one concert at Espinate Rosado Studio um, 250 seats um, I think we only had like a hundred actually decent we had like 150 uh, 150 seats okay so it is, it's okay I mean it's, it's not great but it's, um, but it's not terrible also mm. um, a lot of times I think it first starts off with your 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 friends and your contacts and your your colleagues right I think the real challenge is actually 
in getting people that you have that you don't know at all, like mm. complete strangers who yeah. start to believe in your your series and and they actually tell other people about it and mm. you know they bring their friends, they bring their families, and that was a real challenge for us. Right. right? Um, I think holding a first event usually should be quite okay. Mm. Right. Like you get your friends and and and, and yeah, and it's still new. People are curious. Yeah, yeah. People it's still okay. Yeah. yeah, but then soon enough. Um, you you need to have um, something that is interesting uh, or exciting enough to uh, to get people back and get people inviting more people. Yeah. So I think it's at the end of the day, it still boils down to your your so called product, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Whether um, my I think our goal uh, was really about creating an experience that. When someone comes, they would want to to invite their friends to come back mm. together so, with. Yeah, yeah. So they they call that that the idea virus, isn't it? Very good yeah. spread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. After you had that experience, yeah, yeah. It's like uh, because I think in marketing for for anything, it's so difficult to actually show or give people an indication of what the concert is going to be like. Yeah. It's not like we're a movie where we have like a movie trailer, right? Mm. The concert is just going to be a poster or like maybe a little snippet of like yeah. playing, but, mm. but you know, people... you got to turn up to experience it. For... Exactly. Yeah. So only when people turn up, then they, they, they truly get a feel for what it's like. And so mm. once they are captured, we felt like, um, you know, we had to make sure that, it is a fantastic experience that is not quite like another mm. like SSO concert, right? Yeah. That people want to come back to. Mm. I think we've we've found our little small niche and kind of developed that. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, if I may ask, and feel free to uh, not answer this question, but were funding an issue? And uh, yes, yes, yes. That of did, course. did you guys have to put in some of your own money to get things right, off right, the right. ground? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Right, right. So for funding wise, um, uh, we are quite lucky. I must say, funding wise, we're quite lucky. Um, we have not really felt any strains on funding ever. I think. Okay. Um. I, I, for me, I, I honestly still believe it's relates back to the product too. Like if you deliver something great, mm. like I also feel that the funding would come too. Right. Um, at first we were relying on our first concert. We relied on uh, the Chris Foundation, right? Mm. So we told her this idea, and she believed in it. She funded it, right? Yeah. Then following that, we were we relied on government funding. Okay. And then after that. We had patrons offering. Nice. Okay. Like we didn't even we didn't even have to ask. They were right. like, "Oh, you know, we know you're doing this series and it's good. Like I can see the good work. Like, do you need some help?" And we're like, "Oh, why not?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then we also had uh, we were lucky. Also, we had some um, some some other corporate funding uh, that dried up but but mm. also it was nice because we didn't really have to ask for much and yeah. they it kind of came came up and uh that gave us the luxury of producing concerts with um 
certain kind of values and ideals in mind. Like uh, mm. we always made sure that we we um, paid the musicians decently and paid them well. Yeah. And our um, fees for the musicians has been has been rising too, like, nice. uh, all throughout the years. And so it's, it's been it's been good. It's been good. And and usually, like when 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 you start doing um, good and like when you start being more recognized um more partners and more organizations starts helping out mm. more easily yeah so like for our beethoven recording project like zapa was streaming it every week for us mm. for for five weeks in a row mm. right uh articles was was being published for us sso streamed it as well for us um and then this year um because we had some troubles getting the con uh, like a hall uh, so we approached SSO. Uh, I, I I called I called um, I called them up and and we were like, hey, you know, like we have this program, we have this new work, Murakami work. Mm. Um, could we play in VCH? And they're like, oh yeah, you know, we have a slot. And then so they give us um, they give us the slot and they they. Um, yeah, come in to support with the marketing and stuff like that. Right. So, so it's nice, you know. I yeah. think um, you don't ask, you don't get, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I think once you start the ball rolling and you have a thing going on, yeah, uh, things get easier. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things I am, I think that we did uh, differently from others uh, was that we kept the um, admin, um, the organizing team small. Mm. So for some of the other organizations, like let's say Ding Yi or like you know Tang and all these other other groups, they once they start getting success, uh, more successful, they actually do more and more and more, right? Yeah. They get a bigger team, they get bigger funding, they get mm. seat grants, they get like mm. corporate funding and stuff like that. Yeah, and they've um, got like a, a a proper structure, a corporate structure. Yes, in, in yes, yes. Organization. And that, yeah. Exactly. And so we 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 were considering that, you know, NEC was asking us whether we want to go down that route. We talked to all of these groups. Um, and that was something that we um consciously decided not to go down. Mm. Yeah. So this is up to personal um like from group to group, their 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 own choice. Yeah. And um for us we are kind of I feel like we are kind of in the middle of like having like sort of the the industry's sort of uh recognition of being like a thing mm -hmm. like a, a tank quartet like a thing yeah. but also not having the structure and the form of like uh like a a rail company mm. right so i yeah. I, I i i like that okay. we, we we like that because mm. uh it gives us the flexibility to do what we want yeah and it gives us the flexibility to decide not to do stuff mm, yeah like if you have a company you you cannot like not produce anything yeah right? you have Can to answer the stakeholders and, and things like that yeah, yeah yeah so it's nice that we get to do projects that we believe in mm. and that that's important and because of that we also managed to keep the expenditure low mm. and we get to spend on on yeah the stuff that we find that's important. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that there's something to be said about frugality in, in productions, isn't it? Like spending money where it needs to be spent and not right. go over the top on things that are perhaps mm -hmm. um, not quite uh, required 
for what you're doing. Mm. Yeah, right, definitely. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you have expressed this uh, the interest in developing this music scene and the music scene in Singapore. And I share the same feelings uh, with mm, you. Mm. You know, I think that's uh, lots of room, lots of untapped uh, potential in the music scene here in Singapore. And even when I left for the UK, the goal was not to be based abroad. You know, the, the goal mm. was for me to always return and do some form of work related to music in yep. Singapore. Uh, what are your thoughts about the importance of creating opportunities for ourselves and other like-minded artists? Because, you know, like you said, that... For, for you and I, uh, mm. we, we don't have uh, a fixed pay coming from like an orchestra. Yeah. So mm. how important it is, is it for us to, to think differently and set ourselves apart from other people? Right. Um, for sure, it's absolutely critical, right? Um, because um, it's like a, a big pond out there and you have to be be different right for people to pay attention or to even desire to pay for the ticket to come right mm. um i think uh, if, if i may go out there to say yeah. i actually think that the nac right the arts council i think they're they do provide quite a lot of um opportunities for 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 um, newcomers mm. coming on board, I feel that their their grant schemes are fairly broad in nature. So, yeah. like if you're doing a production, um, like a pre presenting a concert, um, they would still come into support in some form of way, as long as you you know what you're doing, right? Yeah. You, you give a proper plan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I I found I found actually in 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 the states. It was harder to get the initial funding. Okay. Like, let's say if you want to do a concert, mm -hmm. uh, you can try to apply for the endowment for the arts, but you're not going to get anything. Right? Okay. So you have to um, be off showing up for a couple of years, maybe, and put up some yeah, decent yeah. work. So and then I think consider you. Exactly. So right. I think NAC in that front that for newcomers is actually quite okay, quite mm. good. Um, but then again, the real difficulty, as we talked about, is actually in sustaining um, a thing, right? Mm -hmm. Let's say it's a, it's a series or it's your new, um, I don't know, your new arts business or your projects. Those are hard, hard because I think sustainable audience and finding your niche is something that's difficult to to come by mm. and I think we can't have like an one size fits all kind of opportunity platform too. Yeah. Like let's say if if like we have this like uh rotational cycle of like freelancers coming up to perform their own thing like once a week kind of thing. Like let's say let's say I don't know what you're thinking about, but let's say if Esplanade decides to give us one of their venues or mm. like um at the annex studio or like uh i don't know like the concourse or something like that and then it's mm. only dedicated for like um artists living in singapore and then they can come up with their own proposal do their own thing and stuff like that mm. 
I don't know. I, I, I wonder whether, whether that kind of platform would work. There's no long-term projection and there's no, yeah, no yeah. developments of things like that, isn't it? Everything is just kind of like one-off and then that's it. Is yeah, that yeah. Where, what, what you're thinking of? Or? Yeah, I, I feel yeah. that you, you, all of us freelancers, if you want to do like, a, let's say a performance-related uh, thing, we need to have, yeah, long-term, like a long-term goals and mm-hmm. like audience development for the long-term, yeah. right? And any, any sort of market, like a, your, your own niche of audiences mm-hmm. that are coming back. And it, yeah. yeah, so that I think it's up to us ourselves. That's yeah. the nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. And do, do you think that we can just sell good, like, um, I, and I don't mean good in like an average sense, like good, like really, really fine playing, but purely fine mm. playing. Like, in, mm. yeah, so that performance is very traditional, maybe a solo recital or a string quartet recital. Uh, nothing very different from what mm. you see in a, a conventional and traditional sense. Can we right. still sell this as, and do you think that if we sell this, we would have success or should we try to right. innovate yeah i think there okay put put it this way i think there is a market for that that means um like selling good playing yeah uh it's just that we need to be um it, like um we need to be placed in the right um place mm. so if you're talking about performing in a concert hall let's say a recital or a concert i think the problem is that if you simply offer that um there's other alternatives too mm. and the bigger organizations would probably have better marketing yeah. to make it look and feel more i don't know more sexy <laughs> so you <laughs> have a hard yeah, yeah feeling yeah. yeah yeah so it'll be harder harder for you to compete mm. on that front yeah but then if you if you do those things in um different uh place like let's say not concert halls if you do it in i don't know where you would think of but like let's say if you do it for events or functions or you do it for for like uh for i don't know education stuff and stuff like Mm. that i'm sure there's a market for where good playing is valued yeah sure Mm. yeah it's just that if you're talking about selling tickets like to public Uh, often it would be crowded out by the people with the best um, marketing and best branding. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I wouldn't compete on that front if mm. I was thinking about producing a concert in a concert hall for the public. Okay. So I would rather use the strength of good playing in a place where the branding and the marketing doesn't matter as much. Right. Yeah. Or okay. building it, or building your brand where it's not so fiercely com- com- like competitive. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, definitely. I think, like you mentioned, this, uh, there's nothing that we do uh, can be one size fit all. And I absolutely agree that mm. we have to build our own following, our own community, or, or yeah. fans, or support, or whatever terms you want to use. Exactly. And audiences. Exactly. Yeah. And then uh, with that, build something that's sustainable in the long run. Exactly. Yeah. Great stuff. Uh, do you have any 
thing down the pipeline that you would like to share with us, uh, things that you're doing? Or are you a little bit superstitious about this sort of thing that you don't share until it's like officially public? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> so um, next week we're doing our first live performance in like, I don't know, like maybe... A year and a half? A yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, at least yeah. at least 18 months, right? I yeah. think. Yeah. yeah. Um, it'll be at Esplanade Concert Hall. Okay. Uh, it's part of the Munch series. That's when they present it. It's on the 26th of April. It's a lunchtime concert. It's, yeah. That one's targeting the office goers. Mm. Yeah. See, I see even Esplanade is looking at different target markets. Yeah, yeah and, and you get the... Good the dining voucher afterwards yeah right? yeah, yeah 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 that's there so yeah yeah mm. i mean yeah so so i think a lot, like maybe a lot of um people try to think like think of it as one dimensional like oh if we compete it will have to compete against like the ssos and stuff like that but you can always find your own your own place uh and and your own market okay anyway yeah. so i have we have that 26 um April concert. We're doing some Clara Schumann and Robert Schumann. Nice. And then um, after that, we no Brahms. Been... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we were considering a Brahms encore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, spice then, things up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, after that, we our we have some um, corporate events, but nothing public. And then our, our next one will be the SSO thing that I told you about. Okay, uh, that's on the twenty first and twenty second of 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 July, okay. Uh, at VCH, so it's only going to be one night if there's if there's not enough audiences. But we are hoping we're going to get two nights worth. <laughs> right. Okay. So they will open up the second night uh, on the twenty right. second if we if we uh, sell out the first night. Mm. Uh, that will be the concert premiere of the the Murakami thing I told you about. So yes. it's Jonathan Shin's um, uh, music combined mm. with Murakami's text. We're getting a um, an actor, Tim Wan. He does a lot of the pandemonium stuff. Um, nice. I met him when I did. I actually did a play last year, so I acted. So wow. I met him during okay. during, uh, during the play. Um, so go. yeah, I was part of the Hawaii Festival. Okay. Um, so like Sharon Ao was on the cast, and I was I was one of the main cast too. Mm. Anyway, that was a, an experience of a lifetime. Right. So yeah, I got one of my my colleagues there to to to. To, to narrate mm -hmm. so that'll be quite interesting we're doing some uh, Brahms quartet as well we're doing with Pacian and nice. another SSO violist Dan Dan okay and then after that in September we're doing our regular more than music series we're doing some Schumann quintet mm. right yeah. sounds like uh, things are about to get busy which yeah is, I mean finally yeah. concerts are starting to go yeah, yeah. which is uh, amazing news mm. yeah so yeah I mean I, I look forward to uh, these projects and definitely the uh, the one in the VCH, yeah, with sure, the narration. Sure. Thank you. Yeah, thank I'll, you. I'll, I'll I'll be there. I'll be there. Definitely. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully we can get more people in to, uh, for the show. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Great. Uh, and Great. I think uh, it's time for us to wrap this up, Jun Hong. Yep. yep. Yeah. Lovely. Thanks so much for uh, coming onto the show and speaking to yeah. me. <laughs> thank yeah. you. Thank you. It's been yeah. a pleasure. Yeah, it's been great to hear some of your thoughts and opinions about uh, our industry, the work we do, and all things related uh, about crafting a career for ourselves, you know, as a mm, freelance mm. musician. And I hope you had a, a lovely time on the podcast. Yeah, it was great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Well, good. Okay. And yeah, so for all of you listening, thank you for staying with us throughout this episode. And most importantly, thank you for your attention. It is very much appreciated. And with that, we will sign off on this episode of 
you play a what. You have been listening to You Play A What, hosted by Vincent Tan. If you enjoyed this episode, please hit the subscribe button so that you'll be notified when a new episode is posted. Rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends if you feel so inclined. The theme music for the podcast is entitled Midnight Affairs and is composed by Algirdas Matonis and recorded by Vincent Tan. Thank you so much for listening to You Play A What. Until next time. Thank you.